the Digital Marketing Punkcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the active resistance against bad digital marketing. Every episode, I try to help you clear up the mystery surrounding this digital voodoo that we call digital marketing. This is the Digital Marketing Podcast and I am Digital Marketing Punk. This is episode number 18. And today we are talking about Google I.O. 2019. This episode was recorded in May of 2019, of course, because it's Google I.O. 2019. Well, yeah, you get it. Okay, Google I.O. 2019. It's kind of a cool time of year, Google I.O. I really enjoy it because it's um, it's the party time for digital marketers, uh, for people interested in Google, for people interested in search, for people interested in, well, most likely Pixel phones, to be quite honest, because that seems to be the big drawing attraction of Google I.O. If you don't know what Google I.O. is, it is basically a annual conference and convention which happens in America um, over at Google. HQ and they talk about all the latest developments, the things that they've been up to. And it's not just about, it's not like, um, you know, Apple for, uh, iPhones release, okay? It's not just about one product. What they do is they sort of talk about all the latest things that they've been up to in terms of AI, in terms of things they've been doing with Google search, with um, all the crazy things that they've been doing in terms of, you know, making Terminator happen and Skynet, all that kind of thing. And it's really, really super exciting and really interesting. Now, there is it's a three-day event okay (laughs) i didn't listen to all of it but it's a three-day event and a lot goes on so i tend to just listen to the keynote which is a couple of hours long and they come on and talk about the main things and I wanted to quickly recap because some of the stuff in it is uh, is really interesting, certainly to small business owners and for business owners. And we'll get into the importance of that and how much you need to take away from it. But I love to hear about it. I think it gives a really good future view. Now, not necessarily everything you need to act on right now that you hear in Google I.O., um, but in terms of a future view, the direction in which Google is going, the priorities which they have set themselves is usually really interesting. Now, I have a super, super cool guest to talk about Google I.O. this time around. Mark Williams-Cook has joined me right here. He has a digital agency called Candor um, over in Norwich. He um, organizes an event called called Search Norwich every couple of weeks, um, which sounds really, really cool. And it's for search professionals. It's for small business owners. And he has some cool speakers that come on every time and talks about a certain topic within the search industry. He's a super cool guy. I see him on LinkedIn so much. I really enjoy his content. He does a really cool um, sort of quick, what's he called? Unsolicited SEO tip um, on LinkedIn, which is really interesting and fascinating and really good for someone that just wants to, you know, get a, a nice quick tip for SEO every now and again. So if you do go over to LinkedIn, if you are uh, if you are on LinkedIn even, I should do recommend that you go and follow him. Um, but we're going to do a quick recap of Google I.O. 2019 and its importance and its relevance to business owners across the world. So I hope you enjoy it. This is a recap episode of Google I.O. 2019 with Mark Williams-Cook. Okay, so here with me now is Mark Williams-Cook. Um, Mark, introduce yourself. What do you do? Who are you? <laughs> 
Thank you, Tom. So as you said, my name is Mark Williams-Cook. Uh, I'm currently the director of a digital agency called Canda, and we're a full-service agency, do everything from brand, web app build, to the bit I look after, which is digital marketing. Um, I've been working in digital marketing, primarily kind of search marketing, for about the last 15 years, and cut my teeth on that. So the first few years, most of my income came from building, ranking my own sites, working as an affiliate. And for some reason, after enjoying getting up at the crack of midday to eat cereal, work in my pants for no clients, decided it'd be a great idea to go and work for an agency. Um, turned out it was a good idea, though, because I got to work for some really nice big clients and get some experience in some really difficult niches. Um, and kind of worked my way up. I've worked a few different agencies around the UK, so a couple down in Brighton and up here in East Anglia. And yeah, the last five years we've been running Canda and that's been going really well and still focused on SEO, still getting results and SEO still isn't dead. Uh, absolutely. Uh, much to the uh, to the annoyance of uh, many of the digital community, SEO is not. Is not <laughs> yeah, it, right. it, it tends to be the social media, um, you know, the social media managers, things like that, that say that SEO is dead, um, which, you know, annoys the pants <clears> off <throat> us. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's excellent. You're based down in Norwich as well, aren't you? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're based in Norwich uh, and kind of work-wise, probably... Now, I would say, but only just under half, I would say, of our clients are in the East Anglia area. But we've got clients, obviously, like many people down in London, but Seattle, um, Australia as well. So complete opposite side to the to the globe. It's, it's kind of funny um, just how many big businesses are using sort of agencies outside of, outside of the city, really. Mm. Why do you think that is? Have you got any clues or inclinations on that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, I guess I mean the the you know there is a huge amount of clients and a huge amount of agencies out there, and I think as people move between jobs, they do take people that they know who get results with them, mm. and those people move agencies as well. So I think it's just kind of the the natural way of things. Um, but yeah, I don't. I I think there was, to be honest, when I when I started working in agencies twelve years ago, um, one of the first agencies in Norwich, were very concerned about making sure they had a London number on the website you know, to, to make it look legitimate. Um, and it and a lot of agencies did this, you know, all over the country. They wanted a London presence, so it was um, kind of who had the most expensive hot desk in London. Um, but you know, we don't bother, and a lot of people don't bother with that now. And it certainly doesn't seem to have any 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 negative effect. Absolutely. Uh, well, today we are here to talk about Google I.O., which happened as we were recording this last week. I, I'm starting to lose count of how many weeks we are, but I think it was last week. Um, uh, Google I.O., which I kind of uh, equate it to a big iPhone release, but f only for mm -hmm. SEO nerds such as ourselves. Um, it, it's like when the, the new iPhone is released and Apple do the big event, you know, um, Samsung do the same kind of thing. Now, it's a big event for us SEO people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of useful for us. I always find to to work out what we should be thinking on our long term radars because a lot of the SEO community and a lot of the talks we go to, uh, they're always focused on kind of what's actionable, what's working now, what can I do for my website, what can I do for our clients' websites that's going to get them the edge, and sometimes that 
makes you a little bit blinkered as to what's coming. So that's what I like to look for IO to take a step back and think, okay, so what's the trajectory on what we're currently doing? Is this strategy going to age well, or are we suddenly in two years going to find, you know, we've slowly bled out in the rankings because we've missed the the bigger picture. And it's a three-day event, and usually there's a big keynote at the start, and we're going to discuss some of the points that are in the keynote um, right at the very beginning. But there are other workshops and things that go on which are largely based, I know there's uh, it's a developer sort of conference, and um, a lot of it is very web-based, tech-based. And I'm sure a lot of the developers uh, that you work with were very engaged with some of the stuff that was going on. But for SEOs like us, it's actually, oddly, for a Google event, it's uh, it's quite limited because they have such a widespread of different arms and um, different things that was going on. And there was a big focus on gaming and stuff that was happening, happening this year. So we're going to focus down on just some of the search elements that are going to be important for to not necessarily um, that you might have to take action, but like you were mentioning, it's about being aware of these things, certainly for small businesses. So what we saw and one of the big major sort of things that was brought up was this, um, uh, you know, move towards more what we refer to as zero click searches. So the likes of being able to um, interact more with news stories straight from the search engine results page, certainly on a mobile, you can go more in depth, you can find different news stories about the the same thing. And one of the biggest things was now uh, something which we've been clamoring for for quite a while was now an integration of podcasts into the search results pages. What do you make of that? Hmm. <clears throat> so my opinion kind of changes <laughs> to be honest um because i understand so you you get a lot of webmasters and a lot of people in seo uh, maybe rightly so i kind of don't want to <laughs> open that pandora's box too much <laughs> uh complaining about zero click search results mm. so these are the search results where google is um by whatever means surfacing your information without the user clicking going to your site. Now, of course, most website have, websites have business models that rely on people visiting their website, whether it's supporting it through advertising or you know to buy their product or whatever, um, to, to essentially pay the people that are writing that content. So there's a fair argument there of people saying, well, you know, Google is essentially in a, in you know in a way scraping our content, mm. and we're not really getting anything from it. Um, and so I can fully understand that point of view. And it, it was actually today I was reflecting on this, thinking. Um, so again, casting my mind back several years, a decade even, mm. to when we almost used to scoff at companies that kind of refused to take their business online. They refused to have a website. Um, because we'd say that, you know, this is how people are researching things now. This is how people are buying things now. By not doing this, you're making it more difficult for your customers. And they were sort of, you know, some were slow to act and, you know, a lot went out of business when mm. they didn't do it. And I I do wonder, so the, 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 the other side of the zero-click result is I do believe that it's genuinely the path of least resistance for the user. Yeah in that if they have a query, they do it on the phone. You know, we've been seeing ones like the weather ones for years, and yeah. I don't recall people complaining about them. <laughs> so rather than having to scroll down and click on a weather website, you know, you just Google location and the weather and you get the answers. And that's now happening, as we know, across lots of different results. Mm. So that having to do less clicks, that 
reducing the latency of having to load up other pages and rely on other websites to be fast as well, because obviously Google is uh, loading information fast. It is the path of least resistance. So I think while Google is allowed to do that, um, that users will continue to kind of lap that up because it's easier for them. So I do always wonder if I'm complaining about this, am I the next generation of naysayer who's digging their heels in saying, well, I don't like this, so I'm not going to do it. And then you're left with that Spanish prisoner problem of, well, there will be people prepared to do it, mm. even at a slight cost to them. So then they will be the ones that that get in front of consumers. So I see both sides um, and I am leaning forward. I, you know, I wonder if there will like many people be some kind of legal challenge to this or if Google have to start compensating people in some way mm. for, for taking this information. But I think it's generally a better experience for the user. So I fall on the side of, you know, you, you know, you should be doing it really. And um, so, so no, carry I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say specifically with the, the, the podcast, I think, I think it's interesting. I mean, we're just seeing it over every every vertical now, um, and it seems to be accelerating. So we're seeing more and more and more of these types of results. Mm -hmm. Do you think this sort of um, gains a bit of momentum for podcasting? Podcasting has taken a massive resurgence recently in terms of its popularity. More younger people are now listening to podcasts. It used to be quite an older audience. Um, is this applying more power? Obviously, last year we saw Google's foray into a podcasting platforms such as google podcast is this going to then generate more momentum towards a podcast or audio forms of content yeah it's an interesting question i mean as as far as i understand we had the resurgence uh kind of kick-started when apple started putting the podcasting app front and center by default mm -hmm. on the on the iPhones, I think, which really helped adoption because podcasts have, like you say, they've been around for ages and they seem to be popular for a bit and then everyone just kind of seemed to forget about them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, I mean, Google's mission, underlying mission that they've always stated is to kind of index the world's content. Mm. So <clears throat> I think we're, you know, with them understanding images, with them understanding audio content like podcasts, it's the logical next step. So I think, again, there's going to be a whole host of queries where a podcast might be the best type of result so if if google's learning that i'm perhaps interested in a topic and it's more than a specific one query i have so i want to learn more about that topic it makes sense i think to return a podcast so i think it it will certainly help build up um it will help build up the the kind of following if you like and just the ease of podcasting because that's the other thing it has got easier i think the the technology that you know most people can get 4g in most places now etc and we don't have um these quite restrictive data limits just make it a very easy easy format because we're not quite there for instance with with video mm. so if you've got hd video services like netflix you still have to be really careful if you're out and about that you don't kind of smash through all your data when you're when you're watching something there's another really important thing that came out of the the podcasting element which was rather than indexing what would usually be the case of just the show description and the show title we're actually seeing now google index the audio content themselves which is really interesting from um 
from my point of view, because there's only so much so much that you can put into a show description. There's only so much that you can put into a, a show title. But I'm seeing now as I load up the Google Podcasts app that if you go on to certain episodes, um, you can actually see uh, in a little box which says um, similar search terms or something like that on each episode, you actually started to see um, search terms come up, which you can click in Google, um, which are not mentioned in the show description, not mentioned in the show title, but actually are just in the audio content themselves, which comes on to a different point, which is the live captioning, which has suddenly um, sprung up. So they they played it as a, um, this is for accessibility, which is all really, really cool. Essentially, now Google will automatically add automated captions, which we've had on YouTube for a long, long time, will now automatically caption videos as you're watching them, as you're playing them um, and seeing them front of the eyes. It's actually a feature built into the new Android operating system, um, Android Q, which is really, really interesting. They seem to be mirroring that across into the podcasting world as well and utilizing that to sort of gain access and understand the content within podcast audio. Yeah, it's it certainly makes sense. I think the um one of google's projects they've been going on for a long while is obviously com- uh, with their language kind of recognition mm. services so i think they've said that's key to their own ai efforts being that if you can teach a machine to um firstly read or listen and then comprehend content you kind of don't need to be able to teach it a lot else because mm. it can start self-teaching um i'll be interested to see how how accurate um it gets over time because i know with uh things like google translate between languages they've made more progress they said in the last couple of years than the previous 10 mm. um through the through the kind of machine learning approach and i think all of this and, and the kind of google duplex stuff um if we think about this specifically through the lens of small businesses the the whole theme i think of of Google IO is I actually think it's going to give small businesses more opportunity rather than less when it comes to uh, SEO. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll qualify that instead of just sort of <laughs> saying it and, and walking off. Um, <laughs> Sweeping statement. I it, yeah, I, I think it's down to, um, I mean, we've, we heard Google, you know, over, I think it was what, probably 2007, I might have got that wrong, about 10 years ago at least, when they initially made that statement when they were introducing the knowledge graph saying, we're taking the first steps from becoming a search engine to becoming, a, an, I think it was answers engine they mm. used, an answer engine. Yeah. Um, and they were just int- introducing their knowledge graph. And <clears throat> I think we're now getting to the point where with things like schema and how people are using search, um, we're opening up more opportunities. So we know at the moment, um, depending which figures you look at, around three quarters to 90% of searches can be defined as long tail. So meaning they've got super small volume. Hmm. We know one in five searches is unique. They've never happened before. Um, <clears throat> which is where obviously Rank Brain comes in. So it's Google's AI that can specifically handle queries it hasn't heard before, which I think they said is about 15% of queries. Mm. So rather than, I think, like we had six, seven, eight years ago, every, where everyone's competing for a handful of search terms, because Google has essentially done two things, I think, really well, which is they're now handling the 
long tail stuff much better. Mm -hmm. So I think you're getting a much better set of results than you used to because you used to kind of get fairly good results for the mid head terms and then when you started doing really specific google searches you just kind of get trash and yeah. spam still <laughs> and i think one thing they have done well over the last few years is for those really weird specific queries um I, some of my favorites are around songs and films when you're just kind of saying what's that song that goes do to do and <laughs> yeah. google actually somehow works it out um so I think for for small businesses, this does give it, it does make the kind of old thing you'd have to take with a pinch of salt the advice from Google where they used to say, "Hey, write for humans, not robots." Yeah, that's kind of possible now because if you do write good content and you have the diversity of key phrases and words that naturally comes when you're writing good content, you can start to get picked up on searches that you were never kind of going to be found on before. And I think the other thing that's playing into this and that we saw really strong themes in Google I.O. was <clears throat> this trend where where internet usage is moving kind of away from the web, mm. in a sense, and onto, uh, obviously, phone apps and onto, I think, especially the IPAs, the intelligent personal assistants. Yeah. So we've seen, um, you know, some quite complex uh, usage. Um, did you see... The, I think it was the last I.O. when they first demonstrated the, the duplex booking, making the yes. hairdresser's booking. Yeah, it's terrifying. Because that was kind of terrifying, yeah. wasn't it? Yes, <laughs> same word to me, terrifying. Um, but those, I think those assistants um, allow, they're, they're making it easier for people to be more specific with with queries. Mm. And it's not just when a it's not just these queries that Google is answering. So it's trying to answer the intent, which isn't just the query. It's the sum of the query, the time, the location, the device, the previous searches, which is all richer information Google can, whether you agree with it or not, access now. And I think that's what gives maybe the small businesses a larger surface area to play in. Mm. So because Google knows that I've used similar businesses before, or these are my previous searches, or here's where I live, rather than just surfacing the same few big players over and over, I think they've got an opportunity to to start appearing in these searches. So I think there is some um, some quite positive news if, again, kind of they're willing to be proactive. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, I've, I've spoken before. I think it's a sign, really, of if they seem to be doing all of this stuff and collating this data, certainly with... Um, podcast audio and uh, like you say in the translation stuff this ai it is a process and it's a long process of teaching this um this machine to be able to understand as you say intent uh, to understand all the data that it's being provided with and we're not talking about a little bit of data we're talking about huge reams of data like you were saying location previous searches um the type of person that you are regarding on how you've been um using and accessing the uh, the web and the internet the more that it collates this data, the more understanding there will be. Therefore, the more diverse the results can be personalized to you as an individual and provide you with better results. I think it's a brilliant summary of that four-minute ramble I just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to 
move on to uh, another thing which kind of relates to what you were saying which is duplex on the web so like you said last year we had the terrifying duplex where you could ask um google to make an appointment at your hair salon um which i know you and i both do regularly um (laughs) we make an appointment at your hair salon and google assistant will make the call and uh, and book the appointment for you and literally will call the person the receptionist at the hair salon and um, and talk to that person you, if you haven't seen the video, go and check it out. Google I/O 2018 duplex and watch uh, the video. It is terrifying, but um, they've now moved this and taken it a step. Well, they say it's a step further. It's it's actually not necessarily an advancement, but we're taking now duplex onto the web, where because Google Assistant understands you so much, it can now. Um, uh, book things on the web for you, such as creating and filling out forms or being able to ascertain, well, if you've searched for this particular thing, then I can just literally bring up the result and you click a button and it's booked for you, which was duplex on the web. What are your thoughts with uh, duplex on the web? Um, well, I think I like with the zero clicks, it, it can be a way that's going to level the playing field. Mm. Um, again, for... Uh, for smaller businesses or people without um, huge amounts of resource to put into kind of their their tech stack, if you like. Mm. Um, So, and I think we've seen that a lot with, you know, you've got the open kind of APIs for, for instance, for machine learning now. So if you want to do clever stuff with your last five or 10 years of customer data, you don't need to spend tens of thousands of pounds on GPUs and hardware Mm. and, have data scientists you can you can access it through an api Mm. same with um you know things like cloudflare and all the services that allow you to kind of improve the the performance of your of your of your tech without kind of you making the investment yeah um i have i guess some i have some not worries but thoughts about how long that's going to take before it's actually manifesting itself on the web and being used regularly and whether it's something even in the next three years for instance small businesses need to have on their on their radar because mm. i think some of these changes are going to happen and you kind of don't need to do too much to adapt to them yeah i think um from the io announcements there's still and to be frank you know i've interacted with hundreds of small businesses over over the years and a lot of them are in the position where there's they're not doing you know like the basics still yeah Yeah. um so we heard even even something um i think super basic like part of the io announcement was google's going to start um supporting like extra kind of high resolution images Mm -hmm. and i think that's a you know again it sounds really basic but you know image search is tends to be really underutilized um because People, I think, are naturally a, a you know vision is our prime for most of us at least yes. uh, for our primary sense, mm-hmm. um, and it's a shame when I see small businesses reusing the same photos from their supplier or um, you know stock photos um, or you know not even bothering to upload a picture of their showroom. Yeah, and I think it just pushing businesses towards doing these things you know like um we've got clients with showrooms and one of the first things we look at is well do we have one of those 360 um, photos done in the google one is because they're so cheap to do and it really 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 helps Mm. um so i think 
you know, it's exciting. I think it, it, again, it's going to be the path of least resistance. I mean, my simple kind of litmus test for these things is, is it kind of a, is it a gimmick? Mm. And by that, I mean, is it something that actually requires more effort to do? So it's just kind of clever. It's like you look at it and you're like, oh, that's novel, it's clever, it's flashy. Mm. Or is it something legitimately, like we said, kind of like with the zero click results of, oh, <laughs> that requires me to burn 20 calories less to do it. So I'm going <laughs> to commit to doing that forever. <laughs> so I think, you know, if if people buy into it and if it starts to work and it's less effort, it will get used. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the duplex thing, the, going back to the original kind of hairdresser booking thing. Yeah. The thing that, I found interesting about that was obviously the the most efficient thing you could do would be to have another AI assistant at the other end answering that call. Yes. So it's one AI assistant saying, hi, can I, you know, Mark's bald, can I book a head polish or whatever? (laughs) And um, the other assistant kind of speaking back. But then if you've got two computers speaking to each other, it does beg the question why they need to speak at all. Yes. Because that whole thing could probably be done in under a second. Um, that's very true. So, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So it's almost, is the speaking there just to kind of slow things down for us so we feel a bit more it's a gradu- happy about yeah. the whole interaction? It, it, it's um, a gradual in- introduction to, yeah. to this world. It's a, it's a really interesting point, and it, it, it raises another question, which is you say it levels the playing field, but some of these implementations like duplex on the web duplex Mm -hmm. from, from last year, um, when we're looking at, um, uh, augmented reality, which I want to talk about in a second, actually these things will probably be adopted by the big players first. Okay. And the accessibility of this technology, um, and, nay the resources required to implement this on onto a small business's website or web presence or whatever this is a little far off at the moment and we're talking about some kind of extreme not extreme but advanced web development that'll need to go on in the back end before small businesses will be able to adopt this so is it the responsibility of google to then make this easy to implement yeah so i think um like with for instance if we take if we take google shopping mm. for as an example so they how google's generating their product listing ads if we um think back to the days when it was uh frugal or google base before mm. that it was incredibly tricky and difficult to generate a feed uh, to to kind of get yourself onto this service yeah. and like you're saying now required you know there weren't many developers that had done that before and you know if you're asking developers to do things they haven't done before it tends to be quite expensive Mm -hmm. and it doesn't tend to go right the first time and now we're in the situation where every content management system kind of worth its salt has a plug-in for free or for a very small amount of money that will just do it automatically for you yeah so there's no real barrier to to entry there um i think that's what we'll see happen with all of these kind of things yes there will be people who will be the early adopters and they will pay money and they will get it they will get it working Mm. first i i'd have to i think i'd have to reflect on whether i think it's google's responsibility to make it easy i mean it's probably something they're going to monetize in some way yeah so so it's going to be in their interest to probably make it easy um to adopt But again, going back to my point a few minutes ago, with most small businesses, the conversation, if it went to, well, how on earth are we going to 
adopt this would probably be well you haven't even bothered uploading a photo of your shop so should we do that first and then worry about duplex and and that you know that's the thing if you're you know you can work towards that all of these things will over the long term i i truly believe help you You know it may sound silly you know i brought it up uploading pictures and Mm. things like this but you know google can identify what's in pictures now to Mm. again a, a pretty scary level of accuracy so even having your own good unique high-res photos about what you're selling and where you're at is going to start helping you you know get more traction get more customers which hopefully will drive more profit which means you can afford that developer to help you with the next iteration of you know duplex on the web Mm. for those that don't understand what um, mark means about google can understand your photos if you have a phone and you have google photos go on it and type in tree and see what comes up because it does understand and recognize pretty much every photo that you upload onto Mm. their onto their server base it's uh, it's pretty impressive this you raise a really interesting higher question and i'm going to get on i'm going to get back on track in a second but it raises a higher question which is um should we really not be thinking too much about some of the stuff that's been released in this Google I/O 2019 because um, it is it, is it just shiny stuff that we could be distracted by? You know, is it just stuff that? And I hear it all the time when I'm working with small businesses. They go to a conference and they listen to someone and they're talking all about I don't know, you know, whatever the new shiny thing was a couple of years, Snapchat. Say there'll be you know they go to a conference all mm. about Snapchat and they they go, well, Snapchat is amazing. It's the new latest thing. It'll be take off and it'll be your million dollar thing you know and they come back to you and say we need snapchat and then you realize you know well, you're a few fun- <laughs> you know you're a funeral directors you don't want snapchat okay it's going to be catastrophic <laughs> to you is there a danger of that where this is the, these are the new shiny things like you say let's focus on the basics first yeah so i think it's useful for paradigm adjustment if you want to kind of phrase it nice so the, the, <laughs> the, the thing i take from it and the thing i speak to businesses about is okay we know Um, whatever percentage of your business is or is going digital okay and i think the key message at the moment we can take from all this is that digital doesn't begin and end on your website if you're thinking about digital as a website that's short-sighted and Mm. that could cost you in the long run so i try and get people to think of their digital presence essentially just as a database yeah and a website is one window into that a google assistant is another window into that Mm -hmm. directly from google search results is another way into that Um, apps on iphones are another way of tapping into that same information about their products their services what they do and i think with the kind of ai stuff that's coming it's it's important to um, increase your for the best way i can put it is digital footprint Mm -hmm. which is your presence amongst all of these different touch points uh, because the, it's going to be the, and I think it was the, so we had the Google um, Marketing Live this week. Yes. And they they gave an example um, of a lady that had bought one pair of jeans. Um, I think it was over a 70-day research period and had 200 touch points <laughs> that wow. led up to this purchase. Yeah. And it was across multiple devices and different ways of researching. And you're never going to get out of the, of the, the reality that you know all of these purchase paths all of these decisions are complex mm-hmm. and you know long gone are the days of last click attribution say oh we got the sale because they clicked on this ad yeah it's way more complicated than that absolutely um, so i think we just need to 
that's what we need to take away from all this, which is, oh, wow, actually, yeah, the technology is shiny and it is complicated, but people are sometimes shiny and always complicated. So we need to bake that into the long-term plans. But yeah, definitely, you know, I wouldn't stress about it if you're not doing the basics, just work on what's the next positive thing you can afford to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm up to my 200th touch point on a VR kit because I'm pretty sure I've been wanting that <laughs> for about four years. I think you're about half of me then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Last point then, which technically wasn't a Google I.O. announcement, which was the Evergreen Google Bot, which sounds like gobbledygook for anybody that doesn't know. But um, the Evergreen Google Bot is um, essentially the Google Bot is the thing which goes onto your website and crawls it every so often. Um, I say every so often, it does it multiple times today but you know goes goes onto your website and, and crawls your website and um, it's now evergreen and, and essentially that that means is the google bot as it was was very very uh, it was using a very old rendering system to make it less technical you know the way that it looks at your website was quite using quite antiquated technology now they're saying they're keeping that up to date with what the latest um chrome browser is which is obviously your web browser so it'll see it in the same way as what your current web browser will see it as is this big news in the seo world i'd like to say yes (laughs) (laughs) um for i think for small businesses i i wouldn't pay a lot of attention to it to be honest Mm. so the 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 main point I think you need to understand when people talk about Googlebot and crawling sites is when it comes to JavaScript. So JavaScript is the clever stuff uh, for people that don't know that uh, it basically makes all the clever stuff happen on websites that you see. Um, and it's done on, it's done in your browser. Um, and Googlebot, when it comes to your site, at least the first time, doesn't bother running javascript Mm. because it's quite resource intensive to do so it it kind of looks at your page and says oh great i can read whatever is on here i can read without javascript and it sends the page back home Mm -hmm. and then up to well from our own tests we've the longest i've seen is 24 days later Mm. it will render the javascript Mm. um and if you uh, if you have uh, a website, a plat- you're using a platform, a framework that requires JavaScript to see important parts of your website, this can be quite detrimental to your to your rankings mm-hmm. because obviously Google can't see important things it needs to see. Now, the Google so we've got this new update of Googlebot. It's evergreen. It, it smells better. It's running the latest Chrome version. Um, but essentially, the the only real difference is that. It can do some of the more clever JavaScript it couldn't do before. Um, but the main issue, which is the, for, as I see it, is the big time delay between it working out and being able to do this JavaScript still exists. Mm. Um, so there, there were some clever tricks your developers might have been doing to, uh, to get the older Googlebot to understand what was going on, mm. and they don't have to do them now. Um, but fundamentally, if you are still running a a framework that requires javascript to to kind of make your site basically work then you're still going to be kind of wading through treacle trying to get your site to kind of rank well and rank your latest news you put on your site or whatever it is Um, google's got a a solution which they call server-side rendering which is basically you you give 
Google, the Googlebot, a different version of your page to users. So you give them a version where you've already worked out what the JavaScript looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just give the users a normal version, which I'm sure they used to call cloaking, doing things like that. But <laughs> apparently that's it's okay. Apparently that's a cool thing to do now. Yeah, it's fine to do now. Um, so it's most small business websites um, that I've seen at least tend to be fairly small sites. Um, and they don't tend to be, it doesn't tend to be massively important in new content contents indexed super quickly mm-hmm. so it's it's kind of a huh that's interesting the technology is catching up but it's not i think going to set the world on fire for, for many people maybe just if you are using one of the the free build your own website kind of platforms and mm-hmm. um, just be careful with your research there because some of those platforms and i won't throw any mud here but some of those platforms do require javascript to make a lot of their stuff work does it rhyme with anything that would be that would be too mean to say but as i said earlier just make sure you're working on your picks and everything and everything will be fine well from a man that said javascript does the clever stuff that is a man that has explained javascript many times to a client that's unknown to it uh, which i thought was very very impressive mark thank you so so much for going through and recapping google io um with me it was uh really really interesting like i said not a huge amount that we can take from it and we can be proactive about but it's good to know what it has sort of what's upcoming really it's good to have that forward thinking when we're thinking about a business not necessarily in the next six months but in the next six years or seven years it's definitely good to uh, to keep abreast and updated of that so thank you very much before you go however please tell everybody what you're up to um, and how people can actually find you at the moment uh, so slightly interesting story, but it was interesting for me. Um, so when I got married last year, oh, I double barreled my name. Thank you. <laughs> I double barreled my name from Mark Cook to Mark Williams hyphen Cook. And I appear to be the only Mark Williams hyphen Cook on Google. That's staggering. So, so yeah, um, I, I can't find another one. So Which is amazing because um, they're, wanna... they're two quite common yeah. last names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, if you want to easily find me slash everything I've been doing on the internet since October 2018, <laughs> then just Google my name, which is kind of a mixed blessing for me. Um, I think the other thing worth mentioning is if you are kind of in the East Anglia region, I run an event called Search Norwich every two months. And it's a free to attend search marketing event. Uh, it's like a, our local meetup. Mm-hmm. We get two expert SEOs or PPC people from around the country. So we've had some really great speakers over the last year come. They give two 20 minute talks completely for free um, about search. Um, there's free beer, wine, pizza, good networking, kind of totally non-sales environment as well. So it's really great if you are a small business and you just kind of want to learn a bit more. Um if you go to searchnorwich.org, you can find that. And actually, we've got the videos of all the old talks on there as well. So even if you can't get down there, you can watch them. Um, and if you want to find anything more about Canda, you can just go to withcanda.co.uk. It's Canda with a, with a U. So it's C-A-N-D-O-U-R. I do recommend um, Search Norwich because it has seemed to have filtered its way. I mean, I'm based in Wigan and it's filtered its way up to me where even I know about it and I'm aware of it. I recently watched one of your um, one of your brilliant videos, um, which was a black hat 
uh, SEO techniques, which uh, Craig Campbell, <laughs> I know Craig, the one you mean. yes, Craig Campbell, <laughs> that's uh, correct. Was yeah. um, we, we did right. a fantastic uh, and brilliant talk. It was uh, it was phenomenal. So if you are in the area, I do highly recommend you go and check that out uh, and go and meet Mark and um, and have a good time because it does sound like a really fantastic event. Mark, thank you so much for joining me on the recap of Google I/O 2019. I really really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So there you have it, our recap episode of Google I.O. 2019. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were able to take something from that. Like I say, it's very much a look forward into the future of Google and search and how they're setting their priorities at the moment. So it is good to not necessarily take actions from it, but good to have in your back pocket so you know the direction in which you should be looking. As always, I would love to hear your questions and queries and feedback about the show. So don't forget, you can get in contact with the Punkcast by emailing us at punkcast at digitalmarketingpunk.co.uk. Or you can connect with me across all social media. Find me on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash digitalmarketingpunk. You can find me on Twitter, which has changed now. So it's now at dmpunkpod. Um, I'm also on Instagram, the same at dmpunkpod. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn by searching for Digital Marketing Punk. It would also be great if you haven't done so already to subscribe to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you really like the show, then help me out. Show your appreciation by giving us a five-star review on iTunes. I hope you will join me on the next episode of the Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you very much.